Today, I want to tell you about Bass Reeves. Bass Reeves was born a slave in Arkansas in 1838. There isn't a lot of information about his parents or family other than that he was named after his grandfather, Bass Washington. What we do know is that Reeves and his family were enslaved by Arkansas state legislator William Steele Reeves. And then in 1846, when Reeves was about eight years old, William S. Reeves moved to Grayson County, Texas. Then, in 1861, when the Civil War began, William S. Reeves' son, George Reeves, whom had taken a liking to base Reeves, had joined the Confederacy, and of course, brought along his favorite slave, Bass Reeves. This war was a big changing point for Bass Reeves. At some point during the war, Bass Reeves had either escaped from George, or was set free, depending on whose account you're reading. Some say it had happened during a card game between Bass and George, where there was a dispute between the two, and Bass Reeves beat up George, and ran away under the cover of night. Others say he simply ran away when he had a chance. I like to believe it was the former. So, after whatever had happened that led to Bass Reeves' escape, he made his way to the Indian Territory, which now is known as Oklahoma. This territory was governed through a system of tribal courts, and the court's jurisdiction only extended to members of the five major tribes. That meant anyone who wasn't a part of those tribes, anyone from escaped slaves to petty criminals, could only be pursued on a federal level within its boundaries. So, while in the territory, Reeves was safe from legal repercussions of his escape. At the time, this territory was home to the tribes of Cherokee, Seminole, Creek, Choctaw, and Chickasaw, and while Reeves was with them, he used that time to learn the customs, language, and tracking skills of the Creek and Seminole, as well as honed his firearm skills. He became very quick and accurate with a pistol, and while Reeves claimed to be only fair with a rifle, he was barred on a regular basis from competitive turkey shoots. So perhaps fair is an understatement. Then, once the 13th Amendment was passed in 1865, Reeves was a free man and no longer a fugitive, so he was able to return to Arkansas. And when he did, he bought some land near Van Buren, Arkansas, where he became a successful farmer and rancher. Roughly a year after he had moved and bought his land, he married Nellie Jenny from Texas. They raised ten children on their homestead, five girls and five boys, and the family lived quite happily on the farm. During this time, they say that Reeves sometimes served as a scout and guide for U.S. Deputy Marshals who were going into the Indian Territory on business for the uh, Van Buren Federal Court, which had jurisdiction over Indian Territory at the time. After 10 years of being a family man and a farming man, 
things were about to change drastically for Reeves and his family. In 1875, Isaac Parker was appointed the federal judge for the Indian Territory, and Parker appointed James F. Fagan as U.S. Marshal, directing him to hire some 200 deputy U.S. Marshals. Fagan had heard about Reeves, and how he knew the territory and could speak several of the native languages, so he recruited him as a deputy, which made Reeves the first black deputy to serve west of the Mississippi River. So, Reeves was assigned as a deputy U.S. Marshal for the Western District of Arkansas, which had the responsibility also for the Native Reservation Territory. The deputy marshals were tasked with bringing in, dead or alive, the countless thieves, murderers, and fugitives who had overrun the expansive 75,000 square mile territory, working among other lawmen that would also become legendary such as Heck Thompson, Bud Ledbetter, and Bill Tilgman, some of which perhaps we'll talk about in a future episode. Reeves began to ride the Oklahoma Range in search of outlaws. Covering 75,000 square miles, the United States court at Fort Smith was the largest in the nation. Now, Around this time is where Reeves' story really gets interesting. Over his career of 32 years as Deputy Marshal, Reeves is said to have arrested more than 3,000 people, killed 14 outlaws, and was never shot once. Shot at, yes, but never shot. Reeves was also the only deputy on record who started working for Parker's court in 1875 and worked up until the Oklahoma statehood in 1907. Though Reeves could not read or write, that had no effect on his effectiveness in bringing back the fugitives that he was sent out for. Before heading out, he would have someone read him the warrants and memorize the contents and which warrant was which. When asked to produce the warrant, he never failed to pick out the correct one. And maybe it's my ADHD talking, but that alone is amazing. One of his famous tactics, which he was known for many, was that if he were captured or in danger by a criminal he was hunting down, he would ask them to read a letter from his wife that he kept in his pocket before they killed him. And during this time, he used that distraction to free himself and get the upper hand. Every time. So, there are countless fascinating stories of what Reeves had done over those 32 years, so I'm only going to pick and choose a few. Once, as part of his plan, Reeves walked nearly 30 miles dressed as a beggar on the run from authority. When he arrived at the home of his targets, two brothers, their mother invited Reeves in and suggested that he stay the night, showing some charity. Basehead accepted her offer, and the sons were in handcuffs before sunrise. After restraining the siblings in their sleep, Reeves then walked them the entire 30 miles back to his camp. 
another time, Reeves apprehended a notorious outlaw named Bob Doiser. Doiser was known as a jack-of-all-trades when it came to committing crimes, as they covered a wide range from cattle and horse rustling to holding up banks, stores, and stagecoaches, to murder and land swindling. Because Doiser was unpredictable, he was also quite hard to catch, and though many lawmen had tried to apprehend him, none were successful until it came to Reeves. Doiser eluded Reeves for several months until the lawman managed to track him down in the Cherokee Nation. After refusing to surrender, Reeves killed Doiser in an accompanying gunfight on December 20th, 1878. In 1889, after Reeves was assigned to Paris, Texas, he went after the Tom Story Gang, a gang of horse thieves. He waited along the route that the gang was known to have used and surprised Tom Story with an arrest warrant. The outlaw panicked and drew his gun, but Reeves drew faster and shot him dead. The rest of the gang disbanded and apparently were never heard from again. I think my personal favorite story, though, is when Reeves was given a warrant to arrest Belle Starr, known as the Banded Queen of the West for her history of murder and crime. When Starr had heard that Reeves had a warrant for her, she straight up turned herself in at the Fort Smith Federal Court. This was the only time she had ever turned herself in, and she was not one to go without a fight, so that's really quite a statement on Reeves' notoriety at that point. But perhaps the hardest case for Reeves was that of his own son, Benny Reeves, in 1902. After having delivered two prisoners to U.S. Marshal Leo Bennett in Muskogee, Oklahoma, he arrived to bad news. Reeves' own son, Benny, had been charged with murder after having killed his wife in a fit of jealousy. Though the warrant had been lying on Bennett's desk for two days, with the other deputies very reluctant to take it, and though Reeves was shaken by finding out his son was a murderer, he demanded to accept the responsibility for finding his own son. Two weeks later, Reeves would return to Muskogee with his son in tow and turn him over to Marshal Bennett. His son was tried and convicted to life in prison, and sent to Kansas Leavenworth Penitentiary. Later, with a citizen's petition and an exemplary prison record, Benny Reeves was pardoned and lived the rest of his life as a model citizen. So, over that 32-year career as Deputy Marshal, Reeves had been a part of many strange circumstances, and many of the fugitives that Reeves arrested over those years were sent to the Detroit House of Corrections, which is in the same city where the Lone Ranger would be later introduced to the world via the radio station WXYZ on January 30th, 1933. Coincidence? I wonder. Reeves eventually retired from his position in 1907, when Oklahoma gained its statehood. As an African-American, 
Reeves was unable to continue in his position as deputy marshal under the new state laws of the state that perhaps wouldn't have achieved statehood as quickly as it did without his help. He died three years later, after being diagnosed with Bright's disease, but the legend of his work in the Old West would certainly live on. And although there is no official evidence that Reeves inspired the creation of The Lone Ranger, the biographer Art T. Burton said in his 2006 biography on Reeves, Black Gun Silver Star, Base Reeves is the closest real person to resemble the fictional Lone Ranger on the American Western frontier of the 19th century. And at this point, it is widely agreed that he probably was. Base Reeves' real-life accomplishments dwarf that of his fictional counterpart. In his journey from slave to one of the staunchest defenders of the very government that had failed to protect his freedom in the first place. And while the truth about the Lone Ranger may remain a mystery, technically, officially, the story of Base Reeves remains an inspiration for real-life heroes to this day. A lot of people will say that Base Reeves was one of the true gunslingers of the West, and I do think that I would agree. Hey everybody, Moth here. Just wanted to say thanks for listening to my story. I know some of it was a little rough, and these earlier episodes are just going to be a little rough, because I'm still trying to work out how I want to do this and all, so thanks for sticking with me on that. And I just want to say, um, if you guys are really enjoying uh, these stories, definitely like leave a, what is it, like a five-star review, or however that rating system works on your various podcast platforms of preference however that works and also if you have any friends who you think might enjoy these stories definitely um share the podcast with them i would very much appreciate that i am always looking to make more friends but really just want to say thanks for listening and i hope you all have a great week